everyone. Welcome to another special edition of the Photography Bar podcast. I'm joined with Cam today and we've also got special guest Clemency Wright with us. Now, Clemency has had over 19 years of experience in managing keywording projects for commercial and non-profit organisations, which enables users to locate content with the minimal effort and optimal results all over the net. Um, it's something as photographers always forget about when we put our lovely pictures up on the uh, on the internet. We don't, we don't keyword properly, so no one can find them so hopefully clemency will be able to shed a bit of light on on the whole keywording thing um clemency's also worked with um, some stock libraries so getty images and iStock and um and adobe stock so we will be uh, having a quick chat with her about that as well but cam i believe you have something you want to get off your chest is that right i do have a grumble straight away right a grumble <laughs> a monday grumble shall we say um Uh-oh. okay now it, i don't know if it Clemency, hello. I haven't said hello yet to you. Yeah, right. yeah, hello, Clemency. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Hello. I have got I have got a bit of a bit of a grumble. Now, it's to do with ghosting, which I've mentioned previously before. Uh, Clemency, are you familiar with the term ghosting? Mm, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Now it gets my goat, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's let's put it out there. Grinds your okay? gears, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really does. Okay. When as as you know, a photographer running my own business, you know, you, uh, you know, you get a client that will contact you and, uh, you know, that they ask you for details and you might have uh, an online meeting with them. You might meet them face to face. You have some really good email dialogue with them, however it is. And everything seems to be going okay. They've asked you for lots of information and suddenly it just goes absolutely dead. Okay. They just don't then respond back to everything that you've done to help them, uh, you know, because they've probably, they've found somebody else, they don't want to use you. And I don't have a problem with that. If somebody makes an inquiry, I have a chat with them and they say, actually, you know what? We found somebody better. We found somebody cheaper. We've somebody, we found somebody who's more suited to our needs. I totally get that because we all have the right to do that. And we've all done that in different situations, you know, whatever it is, like buying a car, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, but it really gets to me when people won't reply back to you and say, Hey, look, Cam, thanks ever so much for your time. We have found somebody else suited to our needs, you know, better suited to our needs, or we couldn't afford it. It was out of our budget. We really liked what you did, but, you know, thank you for your time. And that's all I'm asking for is a little bit of acknowledgement. <laughs> because if it happens the other way around and I don't respond back to them, then they'll think, then they're probably going to put a complaint on Facebook, aren't they? A review, you know, but, but we can't do that, can we? You know, and anyway, that's my, that, that's my grumble. That's your so, grumble. I, I, think I, I could just um, I could just <laughs> let you know that, uh, you, you know, I have had an experience in the past where I was in that situation myself and things had been going really well with a potential client and then everything just went, you know, tumbleweed. Mm. And actually, I did find out probably about two or three weeks later, he'd been in hospital, um, mm. had a leg operation, which was uh, unplanned and he was fine and he was apologetic, but it always made me remember perhaps there is a valid reason and... Um, mm. But yeah, I completely take your point. If there is just, you know, a quick, short answer that someone could give you, then they should uh, honour you with the respect to do that. Yeah. Mm. And I've had it where people have left it ages and then they've come back to me and said, well, look, you know, we're really sorry we couldn't get in touch. We, this happened and that happens and we weren't mm. able to. So we really apologise, but we would like to go further and say, oh, whatever. That's fine. I get that when people, as you've just said, Clemency, people have certain things that will happen and just stops them from getting back to you. But on a general basis, Mark, I can see you're uh, <laughs> not sure yeah. about this, right? But but that's all I'm saying. That's. I mean, it happens. I, I can't. I, I, <laughs> 
you know, I, I don't yeah. think it's something that really keeps me up at night. I'll be honest with you, Cam. Um, anyway, but uh, <laughs> it's good to me anyway. All right, I can tell. <laughs> let's jump in. Okay. Now, clemency. I, I want to jump. I want to talk, start off about stock libraries because a number of people have asked us, a lot of photographers have asked us over a period of time. I want to sell some of the photography that I do. I think it's good enough to put on a stock library. Um, or they'll ask me, they'll say, do you think my work's good enough to go on a stock library? Um, how do I go about it? It seems to be such a complicated process. Is there money to be made? Because like everything else, I've read that photographers are making, there's certain photographers that are making thousands a month just through setting images on stock. Um, and it's not something I've got any experience in. And I've used stock libraries. You know, we use them sort of quite regularly for certain clients, for, particularly for video content that we've needed to do, particularly during the whole lockdown period when we've not been able to go out and actually film something for them. We've had to go back and use some stock. And stock libraries, I think, are incredibly valuable. But if we sort of, from a complete introduction, can you give us the take on photographers wanting to sell their images on stock libraries? How do they go about it? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There's definitely a need for found content because it can be a lot quicker and easier to license the rights to use a photo or a video, especially video where you're looking at high production costs, flying drones or aircraft to another region. Um, so yes, I think people looking to buy content, art buyers and image buyers in ad agencies and design agencies definitely still use stock. So there is a market there for it. Um, but the model has changed quite a lot, quite substantially in quite a short space of time. So what we've seen is definitely a feeling that photographers um, worry that they can't make money from this um, may use it as a supplementary income for their day job or maybe looking to kind of increase the revenue that they can get from stock photography. So that's when they might speak to me about that process. And you're right, it is quite complicated because the submissions and the whole process to get on a stock photo library site, whichever one it is, is quite long-winded. Um, and typically now we have fewer opportunities to actually speak to an agent, a, a real person, and ask mm. your specific questions, you know, because each photographer feels that they've got something different to offer, you know, their, their, their content, their style, their, um, you know, their values and all of this comes through their work. And they, they kind of want to place their work with an agency that will recognize that, respect that, and hopefully to some extent promote that within the search engine, because on the whole, the content's going to be found online. So there's lots of strands to this. Um, keywording is just one, one of them. Um, getting a relationship with a library is, is a big factor. Understanding what the requirements are is kind of the key thing in uploading the content, uploading the right amount of content, the right times um, to do that. Um, and that relationship, as I say, will help earn you brownie points with an agency who um, understands that you're producing fresh content or you're kind of um, reinterpreting um, the work that, that's already on the site, you know, maybe bringing something new and different is, is a beneficial thing as well. Um, but yeah, they certainly do prefer photographers who um, are shooting relevant content. So culturally relevant content that is telling a visual story that's um, going to resonate with today's market. So we, we all know about the, the lady laughing at salad, uh, you know, the, the classic stock photo of a bowl of salad, a woman holding it laughing, and it was keyworded or captioned lady woman laughing at salad. Well, 
obviously it tells the story of healthy eating and looking after your body and and kind of that kind of lifestyle type image but photographers do need to be up to speed on uh, the trends that are informing the the narrative visually um, mm. and they definitely need to be up to speed um, and following the guidelines that the agencies um post out um, so either they'll send this uh, to you um, once you sign up or they will send it to you um, you know you can download it via the website or, or read it on um, on their resources page on their website so this will basically be a document that says exactly how to upload those photos and videos you know how to keyword them how to improve the metadata so they're optimized for search and how to caption them and all of that stuff um, as far as making money from it goes we've been following you know plenty of stories over the last few years where photographers are really feeling the pinch um the actual commission mm. to the stock photographer isn't in my opinion um reflective of the work that goes into into their work um there was an announcement today in fact um on uh, alamy blog uh, about their commission scheme which is highly weighted towards um contributors that want exclus to exclusively sell through Alamy. So if some of you are not aware, you can have an exclusive de deal with a stock library or a non-exclusive deal, which means you can sell it anywhere. If you go right. with Alamy, yeah, and this is quite a big announcement, I think, for them today because it, it actually whacks up the commission to the highest commission rate available on the market. Uh, if you can imagine producing a fair number of images that you're uploading regularly that are on brand that are targeting the trends that we're seeing you know in the visual mm. culture and they're well keyworded and they're well captioned then and you're an exclusive photographer then you might start to get some real traction uh, financially on on those sales i guess the downside is is if you're not doing all those things then yes you might you might actually look at your bank statement and think these royalties are not going to pay my mortgage so yeah you've got to do the groundwork and you've got to do the research and it is a little bit of a minefield but it's the information's there you've just got to spend a bit of time you know pulling it all together so are there photographers out there that are doing this full-time specifically just stock images yeah there are I don't think there are as many as there were maybe 10 years ago and when I but certainly when I first started working at Getty 20 years ago, there were a lot more full-time photographers shooting for stock. Hmm. Um, but what we what I tend to find is photographers that do some stock, but commissioned work as well. Um, or there may be an in-house photographer for an agency, um, maybe work for a design agency or an ad firm or marketing or something. Um, and then they do photography in addition to that. So I think for those people, it can work really well because they've got, a kind of supplementary income and they've got the opportunity mm. to sort of really spread their um their content across a few libraries and just sort of look at the metrics to see who's who's doing a better job at selling their work so sometimes a photographer that doesn't sell will worry that the work's not good enough mm. or that they haven't got the keywording right you know that that can happen mm. Mm. but equally it can be the agency is not really kind of promoting you or the algorithm is just not working in your favor i mean the algorithm right. is stacked <laughs> in the way the library wants it to be not the way you've kind of created your mm. you know upload metadata so um yeah i mean there i i think there are fewer full-time stock photographers and there are some who are coming out of the game but it's mainly because they've 
moved on to other things and they want to kind of as you as you mature in your work I think you find your niche and then you kind of think mm. this is my passion you know <laughs> funnily enough mm. it's not stock photography it's mm -hmm. this and I, I would always say to people like that that that's great but it's another kind of string to your bow if you understand the process and you can make some money um, as a passive income then you know why not if uh, if, mm. if, if yeah. you get the upload sorted out then it just kind of Run, runs for you hmm. i mean when you say things are on trend i mean i i use um adobe stock for a lot of my um compositions basically um, um and um i find obviously there's there's a whole range i mean there's so much stuff on there but when you say things are on trend is are they the things that that the stock libraries promote more rather than it just being a picture of a forest somewhere yeah, it's, I love that question because at the moment I'm really working on a project about um, trends-led keywording, which to mm. people who don't understand what the heck I mean by that, it's like making the content is the first step and then making it searchable is the next step. So if mm. you're making the content that is current and relevant and people will want to buy because they'll want to use it to reflect their you know, products and services and their business values and what have you, um, then it's our job to make sure that it's indexed properly or keyworded, classified, con you know, uh, catalogued in, in the way that it needs to be done. Um, because ultimately everyone's going to search on a, on a search engine online to find that content. Um, so I think, yeah, I think making sure that you marry those two aspects of what you're creating and how you're going to bring it to the, the audience is absolutely key, um, especially for a stock library photographer, but equally for a, a portfolio photographer, you know, who wants to win work for commissioned work from a portfolio website. Equally, that can be keyworded in such a way that it promotes um you know, the certain concepts and themes that clients you're looking to target right now are going to be looking for. So we've got mm. loads of keywords around the idea of inclusivity and diversity, um, you know, that we've had big trends that have come up and, and kind of stayed with us over, over mm. the years. It's it, it certainly in my time in this industry, but they're coming up all the time. I mean, every time something happens in society or culture, mm. the image makers are out there capturing it. You know, the catalogers mm. are keywording it. And the people looking for it are going, oh, how do we find pictures about Black Lives Matter? I'll just try typing yeah. that in or hmm. whatever it might be. So I, I'm fascinated by the trends that inform the visual sort of culture, but the access to that visual co content, because that becomes really difficult for picture buyers who don't have much time, hmm. don't necessarily know the language, don't always know how the search engine works and kind of all of that back end stuff that um mm. you know you, you need to try and get your head around that a little bit mm. to know that what you're spending time uploading and and you know putting it onto a stock site is actually going to have a little bit of um traction mm. so mm. i've got a photographer who's contacted me about this um sort of going back a, a couple of months ago and he's um he's very much a wildlife photographer and he was saying that he wants to sell his images through stock library, you know, through, you know, as, as stock images, he feels that they're good enough to do. And, and yeah, his, uh, his images are great. I'm not going to say whether they're good enough or not for stock libraries. I, I would think they were now, however, how relevant is his wildlife? If say, you know, you've got a wildlife photographer, you know, that you're, you're from what you've said, it's very much current trends. Um, well, yes and no, because that's mm. the that's the part I'm really interested in from a mm. language perspective is current trends and that piece of content. But 
stock libraries are libraries for a reason mm. like we said at the beginning they exist so people can find wildlife travel food yeah. you know nature imagery without having to go and pay a photographer you know yeah. a lot of money to make it yeah. so animals and nature and wildlife will are kind of what we would call it's evergreen content it's okay. always needed yeah. you you know you watch any documentary on on the BBC or, you know, um, Attenborough documentaries, anything like that uses stock footage to mm. some extent. Mm. Um, so there's definitely an ongoing need for that. I don't see that changing. Mm. Um, I think just for a photographer in that position, it might, be, it might be beneficial to seek out some of the more specialist libraries that are also stock libraries, but they're not what we would call the big boys. So you yeah. know who I mean. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, the specialist libraries are um, ones that they're smaller and they're more specialist. So yeah. you, you're yeah. more likely to form that relationship that I mentioned earlier on with the yeah. agency so that they understand yeah. What's unique about you? You know, where have you been that's so different? You know, mm. Did you go to Galapagos and film some animal activity that we really don't have that much, you know, available of that content? Yeah. So if you can have that sort of relationship with a specialist stock library, mm. you're going to have probably a better reach with the picture research community yeah, um, right. who don't always go to the big boys because they know they're going to have to trawl through 200 million assets yeah, yeah, and, what, yeah. and what they get might not be that kind of wow you know it might just be quite generic so um, I definitely advise your your client to seek out some of the libraries listed on BAPLA, mm -hmm. um, BAPLA.org website, um, or, you know, to look at some of the, I mean, I've certainly got some resources that I can share with your community around specialist libraries, because yeah. they're the ones that mm. are, they know their stuff and the people working there are living and breathing. You know, they have a real passion for yeah. that content. And I'm not saying mm. that a big stock library doesn't, but their passion is tends to be more, financially motivated yes of say. course yeah. 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 yeah 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 okay so which is um, why they're the big boys i guess right, right. yeah yeah <laughs> okay so here i am I'm, I'm, a, I'm a photographer and i want to put my images uh you know i've got some, some great images and i want to i want to get them onto a stock library i want to start selling um but a huge part of that is the keywording and getting those right and this is where you come in um clemency isn't it so how would you help me or another photographer how, how how would you help me sell my images and what you do I, I might ask you do you want to keyword them yourselves because if so I can teach you to do that okay. um sometimes well often I ask that question and I just get laughed out because <laughs> photographers don't generally want to keyword but that's not to say they can't and they've mm. got a lot of important information so more typically I would say okay I can help you with what what I call a strategy which is some discovery questions around your content you know what do you have uh how's it typically been used in the past what are your goals you know do you want to be on the front cover of um a nature magazine or mm. working with the bbc or are you just looking to sell i don't know into the greetings cards and calendars market or whatever yeah. and then i would need to help them work out how to distribute their content some photographers have a really clear idea they want to be on getty they want to be on Adobe and Shutterstock, you know, on, on some of those kinds of sites. Others don't know the industry very well, so they might get a bit of guidance from me about these specialist libraries that I was just talking about. And maybe mm -hmm. I look at the content and think, actually, do you know what? I think you should speak to so-and-so at this picture library because they will, they've worked with people like you before and they will help you um, surface that content. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you, you're looking at the metadata. So you've got the content, you've got a relationship building with the library. The library is then going to either say, 
just give us your content, we'll sort it out for you. Um, but more often than not now, they're saying, give us the content with the metadata. So metadata is information about the photo or the video. Metadata includes a caption, it includes keywords, uh, sometimes a description, which is more you know, descriptive than just a basic caption. Um, and it also includes a lot of raw data that you might capture on your actual body of the camera, like mm. you know, when it was shot and where it was shot, GPS, stuff like that. Um, so I'd probably be asking quite a lot of questions about um, their market, their content, uh, the agency they want to go with. And then from there, I'd have to start, as I said at the very beginning, actually pulling off all the detailed upload uh, requirements for a picture library who says we only want 30 keywords or you can have up to 50 keywords, but you must put the most important keywords in this field and you must caption here and it can only be 30 characters long or you know mm. 120 characters long so that gets down to the kind of nuts and bolts of keywording which by that point the photographer's probably switched off completely yeah. uh, and I'm kind yeah. of I'm doing my thing at that point which I absolutely love doing um, because I really enjoy that challenge of taking a creative piece some background information, which I probably didn't know just from looking at the photo mm. and then kind of wrapping it up in a way that can actually be delivered to an audience um, who has no idea how a search engine works and what happens behind mm. the scenes. So, so for me, that's the kind of real um, exciting part of keywording is taking content that may not have been found otherwise and applying some strategies uh, consistently across the library so that you know, we can surface that content and make them some money. And then what about, I mean, we have, if I may come, yeah. we've also been having this conversation talking about keywording stuff. Uh, we're assuming that everyone who's listening to this podcast knows what keywording is. Um, so, uh, yeah, we probably should explain that, really. Um, so keywording, Clemency, how would you describe it and what makes a good keyword and all that kind of stuff? What? Not everyone knows what keywording is. <laughs> well, just in case. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this, this is this is great because it, it's a really simple thing, and and you probably haven't ever thought about it in this way. But when you search on a a system like a search engine, so Google, for example, or maybe you know an actual library system, a computer database of any kind, you've probably got one at work somewhere. Um, you're entering keywords or words um, to find a specific thing. And so on Google, you might be searching for law firms in Newcastle, where I live, or um, you might be searching for um, black leather jackets for women or something. They're all pieces of information that are at some point attached behind the actual end result. So in the case of the leather jacket, those keywords will be added as actual words in a panel, like an information panel for that product listing on a clothing website. Um, equally, a law firm in Newcastle will have web content, which is scattered with keywords that have probably been researched and optimized to make sure they come up in a search result for law firms in Newcastle. Um, for assets, so assets being photographs, videos, um, text files, audio files, all sorts of different mm -hmm. files, they also have keywords. And the purpose for those keywords is to make those things searchable on a website. So rather than looking for content to get a website result, you might go onto a library site like, uh, let's say, Getty, for example, and use keywords to find the content on there. So keywords exist on a website, on the actual assets and copy that's there, but keywords also exist in general on the web, you know, to help you mm. find the website. So they're, they're all doing the same thing. They're helping people 
when they type in a word, they're helping people find good results for that particular word or, or sometimes not good results depending on how well it's actually been keyworded mm. yeah. so, so say a photographer who's um let's say um let's say your average wedding photographer has a website it's got a lot of uh wedding pictures on his or her website is it how important is it to keyword all of those images and the metadata will it help their google rankings and how how much will it affect or or as a lot of photographers are doing, I'm sure they've got their websites, brilliant websites, and they're uploading their images. Um, and the images that are uploading have just got the file name uh, or the file number, rather. Um, how, how important is that? I think it's important because Google does index a lot of content, um, including metadata. So these keywords are part of the metadata that is attached to that photograph. So if you've got a series of lovely wedding shots in historic locations or stately homes, or let's say quirky places like zoos or lighthouses, for mm. example, it would be really nice to have those really unique kind of wow kind of keywords attached to the assets because Google will um, favor you if, if that's the case and those keywords also reflected in your, your copy. So if you're known as a photographer that shoots quite quirky locations for weddings and you're writing this up in your website copy and then adding those tags or keywords into the asset, um, and perhaps even naming them so you can find them easily yourself in your own Lightroom or, you know, mm. Photoshop uh, uh, location, then Google's going to look favorably on that because it's going to keep seeing consistent use of that keyword in a relevant way, in context, um, and probably getting good search uh, log data on that as well, where customers have actually looked for weddings in lighthouses. Mm. And over and over again, your page is coming up because it's 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 enriched with that data. Um, to be absolutely honest with you, Cam, I think Google sort of um, indexing uh, process is, is quite difficult to know exactly how that's working. Um, but we know from people that do keyword research and, and SEO and that kind of bigger, mm. the sort of bigger search engine stuff that that's happening um, would be advising you to to tag some keywords on your photographs um, and as I say I would always go for the something that's a differentiator mm. so something that's unique something that's different something that really reflects and supports the language that you are marketing yourself with uh, in your social media campaigns on your mm. website in your you know general marketing material yeah and um, uh, yeah, I think I, I definitely think there's a, a, a huge value in doing that and whilst I understand that takes a bit of time and it's another you know, step that you have to take. Mm. You don't need to go to town too much, not in the way I do when I'm keywording for a stock library where sure. I'm adding, say, 30 keywords and I'm really thinking mm. about concepts and themes and trends. Right. You might just want to pick out the key thing that was different about that place or different mm -hmm. about, you know, let's say you might specialize in um, weddings for a certain religious group or weddings mm. for a certain, um, you know, region that's always coastal or it always has a strong theme around, you know, leisure and, and kind of people doing these quirky skydive weddings and things. Yeah. They're, the, they're, they're the sort of things that you, you could and should add to just cement that, you know, mm. cement that element of your work that sets you apart, gives you a little bit of an edge in terms of your branding and marketing. Yeah. Um, so if you're, <laughs> 
is, is it a quite a costly process this do you think um doing it for a website do, uh you know if, if you wanted to keyword all of the images is it quite a costly process to go through that for photographers to actually have somebody to keyword the images for you um and do you think they'd, they'd see a return on on that so i think they'd see a return and how that would look would be through being found mm -hmm. um because just to step back a little bit it's fantastic if you've got a website with beautiful images and everyone that sees your work says you are an amazing photographer you're so good at this theme or this yeah. subject but it's still got to be searchable this is the necessary yeah. part of the work that I do um so the return will come through purely making yourself more visible mm. but also not just visible at ranking higher um, as I've just said, you know, adding some metadata into the photographs themselves, adding, yeah. adding one or two tags and making sure that you keep that consistent throughout your website will make sure that you're visible and ranking higher. Um, it's uh, so keywording a large volume of assets for a picture library, which is what I I typically do. Um, I mean, that can be costly if there's 10,000 of them, 20,000 yeah. images. <laughs> yeah. If your site's got a portfolio and a selection of, say, 40 to, you know, 60 pictures, no, not really. Um, yeah. If, if you if, if what I'm saying makes some kind of sense, even if you're thinking, well, there's obviously a cost attached, you've got to see it like this. Um, if it's not done, then they just exist. If, yes. If keywording is done, then they're delivered to your potential buyer and then they become mm. a, a commodity or I, that's not the yeah. right word, but they become a product that's actually available to sell, which yeah. is what you're trying to do, really. But you're not just trying to sell the work. You're trying to sell your personal brand, you know, your what makes you different. And all of that stuff can be really nicely um characterized through keywords as well so. and I, th I think that's that's really important actually that's one of the main things of reasons why i sort of get talking about this is that you know photographers some incredible photographers out there um doing some doing some great work but they're not they're not use utilizing you know all of those systems are they they're not putting all of those systems into place that is going to generate more work and generate more awareness that they're actually out there. And so that, that money that's actually spent and, and, and to be honest with you, a lot of photographers are really busy, just don't have the time to do it. And yet it's absolutely crucial to do. So somebody like yourself um, is really key, you know, it's possibly, it's probably really key to a successful photography business. I would have said, um, because what you're doing is giving those images and that photographer, um, the opportunity just to be seen that much more and it's like having a business isn't it and not telling anybody about it it's no good having a business not advertising it and no matter how good you think the business might be or how good your idea might be or how good you might be at what you do if you don't tell anybody about it um, and that's essentially what you were trying to do isn't it yeah I think. and think about it like this I mean word of mouth is amazing and I get a lot of my clients through words of mouth um, and you might have a photographer who gets work because the people he's worked with have recommended him or her and that's great but imagine if you're a picture editor and you're launching a new magazine to showcase you know the current state of British photography and you want to troll the internet for people to demonstrate some of your you know ideas about where photography is right now and what's so fantastic about it then that's another way of being found by a potential market because if you get published um it might not be that they're initially buying your work but the publication of your work and and your 
business in editorial content um, will lead to work as well. So, you know, tagging or keywording has quite a few um, different avenues to making you money. Uh, one of them is stock libraries. The second one is um, you, might, you might actually set up your own searchable website, that's e-commerce, which could benefit from a search function as well. So people could type keywords directly onto your site as well as finding them on Getty or Alamy or wherever. Um, mm. But also just being, just being visible on a, a search engine like Google with the same keywords, but so people yeah. ring you up and say, can I interview you for this? Or can, uh, you know, can I, can I do a podcast with you? Hmm. That, that's all, that's marketing too. And yep. that's also, you know, a route to that is through keywords. So no matter how kind of boring they might sound or, or dull or, you know, um, purely functional, that they do have some really hidden value hmm. that, that, you know, it's my purpose to try and bring that value to the surface and, and get people excited about it. If, yeah. uh, if, if at all possible. Yeah. Great stuff. No, it's really, that's really interesting. That. And what we're going to do, Clemency, is put some of your links out there so photographers will um, know how to be able to get in touch with you. So photographers are looking to get onto uh, stock libraries, start selling their images and making sure that their images are all tagged and keyworded correctly, then um, they'll be able to get in touch with you on that, Clemency. That's, that's, uh, that's really good. Thank you for, for doing that and coming on. Now, Mark, we're going to just change. Uh, uh, actually, actually, Clemency, are you a photographer at all? Are you, are you, are you good with the camera? Not, I... Uh, <laughs> Do you know, I mean, years and years ago, I did a darkroom course. I worked uh -huh. at Getty. I love photography. And I yeah. heard quite a few, like, seminal photographers speaking. So I've always had a go. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's kind of a dream of mine. Um, I love looking at pictures. So I, I'm right. happy with that. But, yeah, I think it's a bit of a frustrated dream uh, that, that <laughs> I have. I'd, uh, but, yeah, so um, okay. maybe in another life. <laughs> That's good. Yes. All right, so, so Mark, what, what, what is it that you've got... Um, what are you going to what are you going to throw at us well i've i do my usual trawling through the net to find out what's going on in the photography world and i came across something um which was um quite quite it's just not something i've seen before um mm -hmm. and uh, I, it was on the f-stoppers website and um yeah it was called um sonification okay Have any of you two heard of sonification no, no something to do with sound no googling no, something to do with sound <laughs> i would have said Sound or light? Yes. So basically what they've done is um, some very clever people have created um, some programs. One of them is called Photo Sounder, which is the one I've had a go at. Mm -hmm. And what you can do, you can upload your picture into this program. Mm -hmm. And it, it basically translates the image into sound. Right. Okay. In which sounds kind of weird why right, yeah. why would you do that right. um so um well basically um one of the one of the major things is is what what people have been doing is is there's a lot of people who kind of analyze data so like really sort of long string data and apparently um the ear is better at finding recurring patterns than the eye okay so what they do is they transcribe this data and make it a sound so then they can pinpoint where the patterns are and things like that okay. i mean why you need to do that i don't know but obviously it's something that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just wonder where this is very, going but yeah go very, yeah <laughs> yeah um also um a, a lot of uh, musicians have used this as well so they've created these sounds from these um from these from these photographs right and they can um sort of upload it into their into their keyboard or any other midi system 
and you know create sound waves and things and put you know put a beat okay. underneath it and call it a song you know that's uh, right <laughs> that's what some people do okay um so yeah so i actually had a go with it earlier right um the video of which i'll, I'll put on our on our on our website um yeah. i don't know if we can i could try doing it now if you wanted i don't know if we could share screen and we'll play, and... We'll, play well if you do maybe five or six seconds of it or something because uh the listeners out there are going to you can share your screen but yeah I, I'm, I'm completely lost what what do you mean sound from a photo well this is the thing it's in the so it looks at the imagery right so let's say any and photo the, yeah and any photo. Right, there are okay. some photos that will work better than others. Right. Okay. So if you have a bit of detail in there, yeah, uh, then then you'll get you'll get more sounds. If you just got like quite a uh, a detailless picture, like if it's just a picture of the sky, a blue sky, yeah, then all you're going to get really is white noise because okay, there's so, no so, differentiating details. Okay. So say so, it's a so say it's a picture of a um, I don't know some wildlife, some some birds in some trees or something. Yeah. All right. Are you gonna is it gonna convert that photo into noise of trees rustling and birds whistling? No, 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 no. It's completely abstract. Right. Oh, completely okay. Right. Abstract. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's right. nothing like that. So basically, it just picks the picture. So if you if you imagine, you know how a, a vinyl works, yeah. Yeah. So you put the needle in the vinyl. Yeah. And basically, you got all the different grooves and indentations yeah. within that. Okay. Row, and that's that creates the sound and that creates the volume that you hear and the songs that you hear. Okay. Well, essentially, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But instead of it being bumps in the groove, yeah, it's the contrast in the photo that interpolates the sound. Okay. So it goes from left to right and it plays like a track like that and right. it goes okay. over all, all the uh, information. Now, darker areas don't play sound. So okay. if you have like a, a black gradient going all the way to a white gradient, it'll be yep. the volume will gradually go up as it goes from okay. left to right. Okay. Um, apparently with details on the top of the picture, um, you, you get, that's the higher pitch and then the, the details in the bottom create the lower pitch. Right. Okay. It's crazy, right? But <laughs> it is quite amazing. Clemency, I have no idea what he's on about, but. <laughs> I think it sounds brilliant. Um, but <laughs> I want to fascinating. know, yeah. I want to know what the kind of application of that might mm. be. Well, um, as in what you do with it. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. what? Yeah, what's the purpose of it? Well, there's Clemency, two purposes. Mark, like a... Mark Clemency is asking, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in a syn- synonym. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it two two reasons. Like I mentioned earlier, you have the people who um, look for patterns in data, mm-hmm. and they've done the same thing with that visual data. They they've transcribed it into this using this sort of technology, so they can hear the patterns, and it's very quick and easy to pick up those patterns. Um, and also, like I was saying with musicians, it's another way of getting sound. So, you know, like a lot of, um, it's not necessarily dance, but sort of like um, electronica music and, and what have you, you know. Okay. Um, I know some of them, they, they, they go around with like these recorders and they go, oh, that's a good sound, record it. And then they import it into their keyboards and then they make different sounds. And then that creates a melody or, or a background or whatever. Well, this is another way of getting those sounds. I wonder if it's so got any connections with like visually impaired users as well who want to, appreciate, Im- yeah. you know, how something might look through how it sounds, if that's at all possible. I could see that. Um, I mean, I've seen, uh, there was a film that did something like that, didn't they? I can't remember. I think it was a was it Richard Dreyfuss film anyway. And um, yeah, they had a band on for deaf people and mm. they 
the, the band was playing, but they had a load of lights and visual effects, didn't oh, they, yeah. in it. And that kind of represented the music. So, yes, there is a link with that. Um, I've because because I've had a go with some of my imagery, the sounds don't really relate to the picture one bit. <laughs> Not really. But there was one where it was a portrait that I did of a girl. And, um, and this is the one I did with the video one. And I put like um, a gobo on it. And uh, now a gobo is uh, something you put on the studio lights and you can create sort of patterns with it um, to blocking certain areas of light. And this one had like a Venetian blind pattern on it. So when you put the light on the subject, it looks like they're in front of Venetian blinds, basically. Right. And those lines, because they're going down, they have like this, it starts at a higher pitch and kind of goes a little bit lower as it's going across. Um, so it is quite sci-fi. Should we hear a bit, some Mark? So I see if yeah. I give, can give it a go. Yeah, yeah, give um, it a go. Let's 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 I'll see. Try. Let's see what this sounds like. This is picture sound. Sonic. What was it again? Sonic. It's, sonification. It's sonification is what sonification. It's going to be fascinating. This. Okay. So it's converting a photo into sound. This is basically. Yeah. What, yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. That okay. is basically it. Okay. So. Right. Okay. Are you on the edge of your seats, guys? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're listening. Okay. Right. Let's hear it. I'd be really interested to hear about that. I, I did see that there'd been some technology used for, I think it was Tate Images had um, created the artworks sort of uh, digitally, but I think, but it was some kind of a tactile experience for, for visually impaired and blind people. So yeah. I think from an accessibility point of view, that could be really interesting um, yeah. thing to, you know, to look at. I think it could be fascinating. <laughs> There was another picture I did, and it was uh, as a sort of a foresty kind of picture I did. And then the first part of it, you almost hear it sounds like voices whispering. Yeah. Oh, really? It really was quite creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Good stuff. Okay, yeah. well, let's uh, wrap it up there. Thank you, Clemency, for coming on. I said we're going to put your links out. Uh, thank you very much for, for doing that. Uh, and, guys, um, keep on listening to the podcast. Subscribe. Uh, Mark, you're normally good at wrapping this up, aren't you? Um, yes. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you found it really interesting. Um, we both certainly did. Um, and, uh, yeah, please do, um, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We're on all the major podcast um, outlets. So that's Apple, Amazon, Spotify. Yeah, we're out there. All of them, really. I think. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing yeah, well in Portugal do... still. Sorry, we're doing. We're still doing. Oh, well are we still big in Portugal? <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, so, so yeah, please like and subscribe and uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Um, yeah, we've got all the, the the major social media things going on. Um, with a lot of hashtags on our Instagram one, because I'm sure we've keyworded that one right. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, uh, so please do follow us, and we will. Um, we'll see you on the next time. Oh, 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 oh,